morning was the joy of the Lord uh, being the, he'll give us strength, he'll give us joy, the joy of the Lord and that the Lord gives us the spoils of the victory. He'll give us spoils and who does he give it to? He gives it to the strong and so one of the things I was thinking about while we were singing those songs, like these are rejoicing songs. These are songs where we we need to just laugh. Yeah, we should practice that. Johnny, you already got it started. But, yeah, let me hear that shuffle. You got it. <laughs> so the, the more joy I got, the more strength I've got. I got more strength of the Lord. And just the more of his salvation I'm going to receive. And I, I was thinking about it while we were singing. I was like, man, it's like the more joyful I am, the more of God's faithfulness I'm going to see, the more of God's strength I'm going to receive, the more of God's help I'm going to receive. I need to laugh more. I would look at me sometimes, she might be like, you need to laugh some more. I called her up the other day, well, actually a few times in the past couple of weeks, I was like, look, such and such is going on, blah, 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 blah. I ain't give her word time to say anything. I was upset about stuff going on on the job. Donnie knows what I'm talking about here. And, and, uh, she ain't have she ain't even have a word to say, or let me rephrase it. She didn't have a chance to say anything because I was grumbling and complaining too much. Yeah, I was grumbling and complaining, and uh, she's like, "Sounds like you need to praise some more. You need to do a little extra praising." Boys, somebody take that Bible and just slap me in the face with it. Woo! Slap me in the face. Ain't none of that what I'm talking about tonight. But anyway. I needed some joy. I needed to laugh some. And I do that sometimes. I'll get in the truck and I'll just, I don't feel like it. <laughs> and I just laugh. And I probably look stupid, but it's okay. They might think I look stupid anyway. Mark 16 and 17. We'll be talking tonight about the name of Jesus. I'm going to go from that one. We'll come back to that one in a little while, but I'm going to read the scripture. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. But the phrase there I wanted to, to draw attention to is, In my name shall they. In my name shall they. The next scripture I wanted to look at, and we'll stay here for a little bit, is John 14 and 12. And if you got that, turn it out because we'll stay on that one for a little while. I thought about getting uh, David's whiteboard thing that he uses to dry erase just so I could write it up there. But I think y'all will be able to follow along this line. John 14, 12, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Before we get started, let me pray. Father, I ask that you would give us uh, spiritual understanding, open our eyes to see what we need to see out of your word tonight, that we can gain revelation, we can gain
and uh, insight. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. The, um, in verse four, uh, 13 and verse 14, those two words, ask, or ask is, is in both of those verses. The Greek for that, ask, it can mean to ask or to request, but the way that that ask is is not like what we would think. Like I originally thinking this would mean, all right, when I pray, and it can be that, but it's it's more the way this Greek word is used. It's more along the lines of demand, call for, crave, desire, or require. So whatever I require in Jesus' name, or whatever I demand or call for, and that's what we've been learning about when we. Uh, make our confessions and whatnot. And the the way I wanted to, to kind of bring a, a, a difference of understanding in it is the word pray in verse 16. Here Jesus is saying, and I'll pray the Father. So he could have said, I, I'm just going to ask the Father. But if, he, if they had used the Greek word for ask that was originally used in the previous verses, it, it would have been like I'm a command the Father, or I'm a, I'm a requirer of the Father. So here he's saying, I'm going to pray. That word pray means to question, to ask, to request, and the actual definition is also to pray. So Jesus is saying there's a difference here in what I'm saying. I'm going to, I'm going to pray to the Father to give you the Holy Spirit. But when you do something in my name, you don't need to just pray about it. You can demand it. You can call it out. You can call it forth. If I'm speaking health over myself, I'm not going to just pray about it, but I can I can speak it forth and call it to in existence. Like God, he said, I'm just having the same character as God and saying, you know, I'm calling those things that are not in my life as though that they were. So it's a demand, a call for, a praise. The other thing I wanted to bring emphasis to is the word name. And it's in uh, verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name. And in verse 14. If you shall ask anything in my name. I, I was thinking about, before I read the definition there, I was thinking about, I went down to take a nap this afternoon. Man, the cover so good. Uh, I wanted to take a nap this afternoon. And when I did, uh, my mind was just racing and had a lot of stuff on my mind. And I got thinking about what's in the name? What's in the name? And a, a scenario happened in my mind that actually happened, it's been 14, 15 years ago, something like that. I was working at the cabinet company and uh, I was delivering some cabinets and I had the uh, step van or a box truck and I was backing it up. I don't remember the exact scenario, but the homeowner was up on a balcony and he's like, hey, he's like, uh, he yelled at me. He's like, stay up from my grass. And I was like, Jesus did not come out of me when I was squeezed in. I was like, I ain't on your grass. I was mad. And I was probably a little embarrassed. But I was I was embarrassed and yelled back at him. And I was mad and yelled back at him. But I had to yell because this was my excuse. I had to yell because he's on a balcony and I'm on the ground on the road out there. And uh, so anyway, my boss man happened to be there and he heard me and when I said my boss man I'm talking about the owner of the company and so uh, he heard me he's like Curtis he's like 
you never talk like that to a customer. He's like, you do not represent Curtis Wilson. So in other words, you don't represent your name. When you're here on this job, you represent Alan Woodcrafts, which was the company I was working for. And it, that's what came to my mind this afternoon. I was thinking, I was like, I, I couldn't act as Curtis then. I had to act as Alan Woodcraft. So regardless of how my toes were stepped on, regardless of what I felt, my response was not the good response. My boss man told me, said, you need to go back. You need to apologize. I didn't do nothing wrong. I was upset. I didn't do nothing wrong. I ain't apologizing to this man. He shouldn't have yelled at me. Well, he had to yell to get my attention. He thought I was on the grass. He saw tire marks. This part don't matter, but I'm, I'm going to justify myself. <laughs> he saw tire marks on the grass, and it won't my tire marks. The tire marks was already there. It won't my fault, but I apologized anyway. I humbled myself, swallowed that pride, apologized. And then that man came and apologized to me for overreacting and yelling. But that was the story I thought of for, for name. But the Greek definition of name says the name is used for everything which the name covers. Everything the thought or feeling of which is aroused in the mind by mentioning, hearing, remembering, the name for one's rank, authority, interest, pleasure, command, excellences, deeds, etc. A name, literally or literally or figuratively, authority, character. And that's the thing. Uh, when I when I pray in Jesus' name, or when I command in Jesus' name, or require something in Jesus' name, I'm not just doing it in His name. I'm doing it in His authority. I'm doing it in his in his stead, in his character. So I'm gonna have to make sure I do it in characteristic with Jesus. The Greek for Jesus is Jehovah's salvation. Jehovah's salvation. So if I'm speaking forth in Jesus' name, I'm speaking forth his, in his character in his word, in line with his word, in line with his will, in line with his authority, and knowing that I have his authority. Because he's saying, here, do this in my name. So he's saying, hey, I've given you authority to do these things. I've, you've got my character. Do this in my power. This is my interest to do this, so I'm giving you my interest. You, do, you go and do what I, I've done. This is my pleasure. This is what I command you to do and what I would do in this day. Just like we speak the salvation that comes uh, from Jesus over every situation. So, because Jesus is salvation. So we're going to speak for the salvation of Jesus over every situation. Oh, I was thinking about getting into character. Uh, let me do this. What was I doing? Playing a violin. Playing a violin. How do you know I won't play the guitar? something about being in character. If I was if I was an actor and my job as an actor was uh, 
the role I was playing was to be an elderly old man with a cane that has arthritis. And I start running around like a child, you know, and showing off and acting crazy. I'm not going to be in character. And the audience isn't going to understand my character in this role because it's not going to make sense to them. But that's how, it's, that's how it is in our Christian ball. Kind of out of breath. Uh, if I was a, a violinist and I acted like a guitarist, then I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to identify with a violinist. People would not be able to identify with my role as a violinist because they see me playing a guitar. It wouldn't make sense. The storyline wouldn't be able to function right. How can I identify with Jesus' character if I don't act like it? And if I'm going to do things in Jesus' name, if I'm going to require things in Jesus' name, and we, that teaching we've already had, we've already learned, not that we've got it accomplished, but we've already gained some perspective in that, but how can I operate in Jesus' name if I'm not operating in his character? So if I don't act like him, I'm not operating in his character. How can others identify Jesus in me if they don't see me operating in that character? What does Satan see? What does the enemy see when he sees me operating outside of the character of Jesus and then I try to do something in Jesus' name? I'm, I'm contradicting myself. What do we see within ourselves? Because our own conscience will bear witness with us. Have, have we been acting like Jesus? And then all of a sudden we go, we've been acting like the world, and then we go and try to do something in Jesus' name, but we're not acting like Jesus. Not to mention what God sees. In Acts uh, 19 and 11 it says, And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. This is an example. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and the evil spirits, spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. So here these people that were exorcists decided that, hey, we're going to do what Paul's doing, and we're going to call over them the name of Jesus. And they said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. But they, they couldn't identify with the character of Jesus because they didn't know the character of Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. And so, and there, and there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. So here that is a perfect example of it. They were out of character. They acted like something else, but then they decided that they were going to stay and try to get into the character of Jesus without knowing his character. It didn't work out so good for them. So one of the things I got looking at was actors. Because I was thinking about how to get in character, how to get in character. So actors, when they're preparing for a role, uh, a movie or a play or a show, 
uh, there's certain things that they do to get in the character. It's, they call it exercises, but it's sort of like a checklist that they do. And, and there's a bunch of different ones, but I took note of certain ones. Some of the character exercises. Uh, does your character, they took this question, does your character have unique mannerisms? So that's something to think about. When we're trying to get in character, and the character for us is, is a daily lifestyle. It's not something we're just going to do as a play. It's something we got to take on uh, a new identity. How does Jesus behave? So how are we going to get that? We're going to get it from the Word. That's why we need to be in the Word. How about the, the character dialogue? Is there certain things that Jesus would say? Is there certain things Jesus wouldn't say? Is there a certain way that he would respond and not respond? Would he yell back at that customer like I did? Hanging on your grass. No, he wouldn't do that. One of the things it says to do is to write out the character's backstory. We know the backstory from Jesus. And, but knowing his story and getting in it, what kind of music would your character listen to? And it's, it's kind of a checklist for how, what should I do throughout my day? Should I be watching this? Should I be listening to this? Um, that way when I go and I act on Jesus' behalf, because when we are in Jesus' name, we're acting on his behalf. So when I go and act on his behalf and use his name and his authority, I've got place and reason to be there because I am in his character. I am in his authority. What emotions does that character portray? And love, and, and you can just see the story of Jesus and see all the emotions that he portrayed. What is the voice of the character? And we know the voice of the character is the Word. It's the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. How are we going to know that voice unless we are intimate with that voice like the word Holly was using this morning? Intimate. Intimacy. And so getting intimate with the Word, getting intimate with Holy Spirit teaching us and listening for His voice, the Father speaking to us and us speaking to Him. It says to analyze your character's motivations. What's Jesus' motivations? Jesus aims to do whatever he can to please his Father, which is in heaven. He said, I only do the things that I see my Father do, and I only say the things that I hear my Father say. One of the other things, Jesus came to bring life and destroy the works of the enemy. Pay attention to action words in the scripture. Or in the script, sorry. That was short for script. Pay attention to action words in the script. But that's that's the truth of what it is. Pay attention to the action words that are in the scripture. Because what did Jesus go about doing? Doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the enemy. Going forth and healing folks. Uh, setting the captives free. He showed forgiveness and mercy, love. The next thing it said was, leave yourself at the door. And that's the big one there. It says, you have to set your own personality traits aside to get into the role of the character. How are we going to do that? Romans 12, 1 and 2, it said, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world but be transformed. There's that word transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's 
that renewing of the mind, renewing of the mind, is going to be a transformed mind, and that's how we're going to be able to leave ourselves at the door and become like Christ. Getting inside the mind of your character is the key to a perfect reading. Ultimately, getting inside the mind of your character is the biggest part of the process toward creating a voice that will bring a character to life and land well with your intended audience. Um, let me read this up. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. I want to read it in a couple of different translations. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is, which is above every name. There's that word name again. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. The other translation I wanted to read that in was the remedy translation. And no one reads it got that one now. I think work. Your attitude, motives, and mindset should be that of Christ Jesus. So your attitude, motives, and mindset should be the same as Christ Jesus, who though by his very nature has always been God, did not use his divine power of white knowledge or other prerogatives to promote himself. So when we're operating in Jesus' name, we're not doing it for ourselves. We're not doing it to promote ourselves or to look big or to be like the Pharisees, but we're, we're setting ourselves aside for God's glory. But in order to save his creation, he willingly laid all those abilities aside and voluntarily made himself, by comparison, powerless. He made himself as powerless as a slave, a real human being. And after becoming human, he voluntarily humbled himself to perfectly reveal God's character of love, choosing to love at all costs. He wouldn't even use his power to prevent his own death on the cross, and thus he overcame selfishness with love. This is why, because of his love is without limit, God has exalted him to the highest place in all the universe, and has given him a name of recognition and respect above any other, so that at the name of Jesus, every intelligent being, whether in heaven or on earth, will bow in acknowledgement of his true character and worthiness. And every intelligent being will confess that Jesus Christ is truly Lord, the eternal visible expression of God's glory and character. I was going to read one more translation, but I'm going to leave that one alone for right now. Let's look at Mark 16. Verse 17. I think that's the first verse they give you. (coughs) 
16 and 17. And we'll read 18 too. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. These signs shall follow believers. But what believers? The believers operating in the name or in the character, in the will, and the authority of Jesus. So, is it just going to happen when I use the name? I, like, I used to, when I, I pray, I, man, I, I wouldn't pray without praying in Jesus' name. And uh, it was like abracadabra to me, like, it was, a, it was like a magic trick. Like, it ain't happening unless I say in Jesus' name. And I pray some stuff that now I can look back and I can say, man, I was not praying the will of God. I was not praying like prayer was supposed to be prayed. Please give me that bicycle, you know, or whatever it is. It's like, in Jesus' name, boy, that was like abracadabra. It's there now. It's there now. Uh, no worries. And, and God will do some stuff for some kids sometimes just, just to help them increase their faith, I think. It reminds me of Tyler when, uh, when he was younger, I had a I had a lawnmower, and I was working on that lawnmower. I, I remember, uh, I think it was probably in a joke or something. But I'm talking about if if, if the lawnmower don't work, whatever it is, if it don't work, just beat on it, hit on it. And uh, so I hit on that lawnmower. I've done all. Everybody will tell you that hitting on the mower ain't the way to fix it, probably. But but I hit on the mower. I do all kinds of stuff to it, and. Uh, I could not get that mower to work. This is when we were living at the, the first house we bought on Ambrose. And uh, I've done everything there was to do to it that I knew to. Tyler got up there and he was just a, he was, man, I don't know, how old was he when we lived there? Five, six? He had to been young. He got on top of that mower and he got ready to turn that key. He said, please God, please God, please God. I was thinking, please, God, because this boy finally exercising some faith, and uh, I need this thing to work, and I know it's not. I know it ain't working. <laughs> I did not have the faith that that young man had. Please, God, please, God, please, God, and he turned that key, and that thing fired right off. My land, that, hallelujah, that, that ought to exercise, energize his faith. He did that when we was fishing one time. We was fishing. We was fishing down uh, in the river by Mama's house and uh, across the road from it. And we had been out there fishing. He wouldn't, best I can remember, wouldn't leave the, the line in the water long enough for a fish. I mean, the fish didn't even have a chance to, to bite it. Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? And uh, he, he'd throw it out there and it, I think it was fall or winter time. It was cold, it seemed like. I said, look, well, it's time to go. Pack this stuff up, this is the last one. So he's reeling that thing in. Please, God, please, God, please, God, please, God. Lo and behold, the boy had a catfish on the line. But the boy got a lot more faith than what I had. A whole lot more faith. I had a whole lot more desire than me, too, because I didn't want to deal with no catfish at the end of the day. But uh, I, I don't remember if we threw it back or kept it. I, I really don't remember. We might have kept it because it was a blessing. I don't know. But, uh, so there, there's things God will do to help us <laughs> when we're first coming along, you know, to see some stuff. But 
if I'm if I'm acting like the world and I'm acting like the devil and participating in his crowd, or even just I'm still a Christian, but I'm not operating in faith. I'm not operating the way that God wants me to operate. And then I come and I'm faced with a scenario and I begin to try to apply the word in my life. I'm not in character. I'm not in character of Jesus. I'm in character of Curtis. If I'm in character of Curtis, and that's how I live most of my life is in character of Curtis, then Curtis doesn't have authority. Curtis doesn't have power. But when I switch over and I, I begin to renew my mind, like Romans 12 talked about, I begin to renew my mind and the word of my mind is transformed now. I begin to see who am I? Who am I in Christ? I've got power. I've got authority in Christ. I am enough. Holly had to reiterate that to me. She said, I was, I was having some doubts about some stuff without getting too personal. And she said, you are enough. You are enough. Say it with me. You are enough. I was like, I am enough. Say it like you mean it. I am enough. And so, but I've got to, I've got to have my mind renewed. I've got to realize who I am in Christ because the Bible's the mirror. And when I look at that and I see the, the mirror, I'm like, not my phone, but I got a Bible up here somewhere. But when, when I look in the, in the Bible, it's, it's like, man, I'm looking back at a reflection of me. What am I, what do I look like? And if I look at it and I say, okay, I see what I look like. And then I go and the scripture talks about this. And I go and I lay it down. And then I go out and act like something completely different than what I saw in the mirror of the word. Then it ain't do me not a bit of good. It didn't do me a bit of good. So when I look in the mirror of the word, I've got to realize, hey, you are enough. God has given you good things. He don't make no junk. What you got is good. You're blessed. You're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when you come, blessed when you go. You're not a tail, Donnie. You're a head. But I've got to look in the mirror of God's word. I've got to see who I am, who God has called me to be. And I've, I've got to begin to call myself what God has called me. Take courage. Hey, how many times did you say be courageous or take courage, don't fear? And so I've got to look at myself, all right, I'm not fearful. I'm not going to be in fear. And I've got to remind myself what the word says. But these signs will follow believers operating in the character of Jesus, in the authority of Jesus, in the will of Jesus. <clears throat> Rick Brenner, I was reading some stuff about him this afternoon, and I wanted to, to put this in here. He said, just moments before Jesus, had, excuse me, just moments before Jesus ascended to the Father, he told the disciples, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, and they shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In this amazing passage, Jesus said that signs will follow those who believe. That word signs is from a Greek word that refers to a signature or seal that was applied to a document to guarantee its authenticity. So signs is like a signature, guaranteeing authenticity. It was the proof that showed the document was a real deal. 
Jesus was sending his disciples into the world to preach the gospel. And as he sent them forth, he said, in essence, that God's supernatural signature would be on their ministry. These signs were to be God's official declaration that his people were sent by heaven and that the gospel message was true. Signs following the preaching of the gospel were to authenticate the message and make clear that this was no man-made message, but one that came straight from God himself. The specific signs that Jesus mentioned are as follows. They would cast out devils. They would speak with new tongues. They would take up serpents. If they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and, they, and the sick will recover. The Lord said these signs would follow those who believe. It is important that Jesus said in Mark 16 and 17, these signs shall follow them that believe. The word follow is translated from a word that means to follow or to go somewhere with a person, as, is, as in accompanying him on a trip. As it is used in this verse, the word follow means to tirelessly accompany someone, to constantly be at the side of an individual or to always be in close proximity with a person, like a faithful companion who is always at one side. This tells us that signs and wonders are to faithfully follow us in the gospel message everywhere we go. We can't expect this to happen if we're not staying in the character of Christ. We can't expect these signs to follow. We can believe, but we got to be believing in Jesus' name. So believers believe, but well, we believe in Jesus' name and his character. Signs and wonders are to be so in step with us and the message we preach that to live without these signs should seem very strange to us. And it's going to be strange to us because without them, we're not in the character of God. Because we're going to be expecting the same things from the Father that Jesus expected from the Father. Because we're going to be in his character. God intended for these signs to follow us everywhere we go. Like our non-stop companions. As, and as God's signature. That the message we speak is true. Every time you preach or share the gospel. Whether at church, at work, on the mission field, in a bus, on the subway, or at the grocery store. We ain't got no subways around here. You should expect these supernatural signs to be present with you. These signs should accompany you everywhere you go because they are part of your spiritual equipment as a faithful partner of the gospel message. So why don't we see more of these signs following Christians? The answer to this question is actually found in Jesus' words in Mark 16 and 17. It says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. But the sense used in this verse means it would be more accurately translated these signs shall follow those who have engaged their faith and are believing. So it's not that I believed it once, but I've engaged my faith and I'm actively believing for this. That means that these signs don't come automatically just because you're a Christian. Actually, Jesus never said these signs would simply follow Christians. He said they would follow those who are believing for them. If a Christian isn't believing for these signs to be manifested, or expecting supernatural signs to follow them, they probably won't. Like everything else, signs and wonders are activated by faith. Signs and wonders are activated by faith. Throughout our ministry, 
Denise and I have observed that people who regularly experience the miraculous are those who regularly expect to see it. Rather than being passive, they are aggressive about pushing forward to see the miraculous in their lives or ministries. Those who press forward and release their faith to see the supernatural demonstrated are the ones who often experience these divine demonstrations in their lives. So the number of signs and wonders that you that follow you will be determined by how intensely you are constantly believingly, believing, constantly believing for them to be in manifestation. If you want signs and wonders to faithfully follow you, you must be constantly believing for them to happen. When you preach and share the gospel, expect things to happen. So whether it's at work, whether it's at, uh, on your job, family gathering, wherever it is, when you preach, when you share the gospel, expect things to happen because that, them signs and wonders, they're, they're constant companions. They're right there beside you, closer than a brother. They're always there. When you pray for the sick, expect them to be healed. When you confront someone who's demonized, expect that person to be set free. When you are in a situation that requires the miraculous, expect it to occur. When you need protection, expect God's hand of protection to be upon you. Remember that these signs always follow those who are believing for them to occur. This is Jesus' promise. It, it made me think right then when I read that. Stacy, she had, uh, was on a plane traveling. I can't remember what the whole situation was, but she had heard uh, Brother Phil talking about imagine what you want to happen. And so she began to imagine she was encountered storms or something while in the airplane, she began to imagine the storm just dissipating and making a beeline out of the way so that, that plane could fly down safely because apparently they were experiencing some bad turbulence and stuff. And the guy showed her on the radar exactly what had happened and it was exactly like she had saw and like Lynn was doing with her hands, it just separated. And uh, But she was expecting it. She was expecting it. This is Jesus' promise. He absolutely promised his supernatural signature would be with anyone who preaches the gospel and opens the way for the supernatural to come to pass by believing. In Mark 16, 17 and 18, Jesus said, Those who believe will cast out demons, speak with new tongues, pick up serpents, not be harmed by drinking anything deadly, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. But Certainly, Mark 16 and 17 says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Again, it would be more accurately translated, These signs shall follow those who have engaged their faith and are believing. So if you want to see these supernatural signs accompanying you in all your paths of life, you have to release your faith and believe for them to be manifested. And when, when I read that this afternoon, I was like, Man, that's good enough. I'm, I'm going to share that. And... Uh, we got to be believing. We got to be believing. Because we want to be set free. We want to see people set free. We want this church filled up. We want to see things happen. We want to see, like, what are we here for if we're not going to see God move? Like, I want to see God move. That's what I want to see is God move. I need to see God move in, in me. I want to see some, some change in Curtis. And part of that's going to be Curtis needs to get in the character of Jesus. Have you been, have I been looking at Jesus' character lately? Have I been seeing where he's at, what he's doing? 
What's he been saying? What's he been talking? What's he been walking? That way when, when I'm squeezed, like the sponge of life, when the sponge of life is squeezed in me, does Jesus flow out or does Curtis flow out? I ain't on your stinking grass. Curtis flow out. We don't want Curtis to flow out. We want Jesus to flow out. When Holly says something to me and rubs me the wrong way, we don't want Curtis to flow out. We want Jesus to flow out. She says, Amen. Hallelujah. Go ahead. That's what I want too. And I don't want her to hit me literally with the Bible. Sometimes when, when she, she'll tell me the word, so this is what the, the word says about that. She just does well pick that Bible up and slap me across the face with it because it, it offends me. But why did it offend me? Because I was acting encouraged and I was not humble and acting like Jesus. So that's what I want us to endeavor to do is get in the word, find out Jesus' character, and begin to believe those things. Like we've got to reiterate, reiterate, reiterate within us. Don't laugh at that, That's all right. That's all right. I'm gonna let Jesus flow out in love to you. But um, I've got I've got to remind myself, like. God said that these signs will follow me. I've got to keep that before me so that I, I can be believing. If I don't know it, it says, yeah, I read it. But do I know it? Like, there's a difference in knowing it up here and knowing it in your heart. Like, Becky, I think that you knew for a long time, probably, up here, that the Word is the will of God. But one Wednesday night was it, she got a hold of it. And it hit down in here and said, oh, I got it. Man, that's what that means. And, and there's, there's a difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Um, so it's, that's where we got to get. That's where we got to get that, that heart knowledge so we know what the Word says. And then we can begin to see it in our lives and operate in our lives. One of the things I want is I want to be able to, just on a normal day, operate in Word of Wisdom. I, I had that operate uh, in my life one time. I was in the truck, in the propane truck. And I was driving and uh, just praying, listening to some uh, to some uh, gospel messages, and uh, in the propane truck. And I had delivered gas to this lady's house, and uh, I think I'd already carried the ticket to the door and was getting in the truck, getting ready to leave. And when I did, all of a sudden, back pain, back pain, come to my head, to my heart. God, is that you? Or is that me? Back pain. Back pain. So what in the world? And I started to write it off. Ah, that thing just come to my head. I don't know what that is. It could have been a devil trying to embarrass me. I ain't, ain't no telling what that was. Back pain. Back pain. I said, man, that's, that's, that's the Holy Ghost. That's, I'm going back. So I went back to the lady's door. I said, look, uh, knock on the door. She answered. I said, uh, look, uh, do you have back problems? You in back pain right now? She said, yeah. I said, well, uh, would it be all right if I prayed for you? She said, oh, yeah, yeah. So I began to pray for her and to rebuke that back pain in Jesus' name. She said, I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. Well, I wasn't praying. I, don't, I had my eyes closed. I wasn't really looking. But I, I, was, I was listening to the word. I was in character with Jesus. I was staying in character with him in my normal life. And his character infiltrated 
my normal life. And I began to act in his character right there on my dial. And that's what I want to see happen in my daily life. I want the supernatural to be natural, as Sid Roth would say. That, that ought to be the normal Christian walk, is for the supernatural to flow into our normal Christian walk, our normal, normal daily lives. Not that it's got to be some big show or anything, because I, I don't think I've ever mentioned that to that woman ever again. But there are some people that do know me that, hey, if you let him get, get a chance, he can pray for you. Or they might know in Indian Neck area, that's, that's where it happened. And they might know that, hey, you give this guy a chance and you start talking, and God knows if you give Curtis a chance to talk, he'll talk. That's why God didn't want me to watch the watch when I, when I got up here. A lot of folks know I'll talk. But if you get, talk, get me talking about the word, I can get fired up. And uh, I had a man I, I talked to the other day, and I, I was uh, probably about two weeks ago, man. I was in Fairfield, and he's like, uh, started sharing something, and I can't remember what all we talked about and what transpired, but I said, I sensed that he was a Christian. And there's a, there's a likeness there that you can sense the Holy Spirit in somebody else is the same Holy Spirit. It's in you, and you begin to sense that. And I, I began to sense that. I said, man, he's a Christian. And so I said just a little something that would kind of get my foot in the door. And he received that. So I got another little foot in the door. I was like, oh, yeah. And next thing I know, I was out there getting ready to, to shout and jump or something. I said, man, I got to stop. I got to stop. He said, no, go ahead. Go ahead. And come to find out, he was a pastor at a church. And uh, he's like, man, man, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was kind of flabbergasted that I was doing all that maybe, but anyway, let's get in character. Let's get in character. Let's close out on prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word where we can gain perspective on your character, on your motives, on what you have for us. And you want life for us. You want liberty for us. You want, you want to set us free. Free to do your will. Free to to uh, see your will accomplished and to walk in, in victory. And I pray that as we turn to you and begin to find out your character and your word, that you will begin to infiltrate our lives so that your character rubs off on us in such a way that our minds are transformed and we become like you and we begin to, to act like you and walk like you and talk like you and see the signs follow us that accompany us like a close brother, that just stay right with us, the signs and wonders. And we thank you for it all, in Jesus' name.